Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. How do you get it? First of all, you realize you're righteous because the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. The moment I realized I was righteous, not based on my opinion but or, or my uh, performance, but based on a gift of God, then my peace came. When my peace came, my joy started to come. And when my joy started to come, I get a sneaking grin on my face like this is too good to be true. I'd be riding down the road with a grin on my face like this is too good to be true. And I have coined a phrase since then. If it's too good to be true, it's probably the gospel. Because if you leave here tonight with a bunch of stuff to do, you probably didn't hear the gospel. But if you leave here with something to believe, come on, you probably heard the gospel. Now, the believing will make you change what you do. Come on, somebody. Because right believing will produce right living. Hallelujah. And I, I, this is so powerful to me. So when, you know, I began to really, Moses began to, uh, you know, he was the heir apparent. And one day the Bible said that he left, he left the palace and he saw God's people in bondage. And he began to embrace what he was born to do. And that was to set God's people free. I was in Tulsa last year, I believe it was Tulsa. And the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, son, you can... You could choose to stay in the plushness of the palace and you can you can have some success and it will be good for you. Or you could embrace what I called you to do. And in order to do that, you might have to leave the plushness of the palace and set God's people free. Preaching like this doesn't necessarily put you on big platforms, but I'm telling you the truth, I could care less. I, I could care less the who's who in the zoo. I am done with the meat market parade of flesh. Come on, buddy. I have seen the condition of God's people, and what motivates me is what motivated Moses. He had recompense. He had respect for the recompense of the reward, and I believe his reward was he saw that if I will do this and leave my own personal comfort and my own personal success and walk away from the palace and the plushness of the palace, that one generation from now, my children and my grandchildren will never know the whips and chains of the bondage. They'll never know the smell of another Egyptian flesh pot. What moves me is not who knows my name or how many TV channels we're on or how many books I've written. It's when I hold my grandbabies in my arms and say, you will never know a system that abuses you you and gives you religion instead of a relationship with God. That's what drives me. That's success. That's how I measure success, man. Because what I'm telling you, after you rub shoulders with the big boys, all you got's a shoulder rub. That's it. Come on, somebody. Say, so you know so-and-so. Big deal. Come on, somebody. It don't change nothing. But listen, I, there's people... I, <laughs> There's people come to me like they're trying. It, 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 you know, I, I'm I'm kind of real naive. I just really I don't realize they're trying to get to me to get to somebody else. Yeah. And I'm these days just like this. If you're trying to get to me to get somebody else, just tell me who you want to get to, and I'll I'll introduce you to them, save me the aggravation and you, and that way we ain't nobody disappointed. <laughs> but here's the deal, man. I can get you to the biggest, the most famous, the most well-known, who could open more doors for you than you could ever imagine, give you more financial blessing than you've ever thought about. But nobody wants to get to him. His 
name is Jesus. It's see the God that you marginalize. The God that you don't think is valuable might be the God that's going to open the big door. See, what well, the God that got, come on, Joseph to the palace wasn't somebody in the palace. It's the guy he shared a cell with who was in the same jail cell with him. It's the guy you pass on the street or the guy that picked you up at the hotel and driving you to the church. Come on. That you don't think is valuable. You better learn to value every vessel God puts in your life. And I purposely decided I could care. I had decided I'm going to preach what God said to me wherever it takes me. And I made up my mind to preach until nobody wanted me to preach anymore. But the more I preach like this, the more doors have opened. Isn't that crazy? I've got to quit. I've got to hurry here. Moses then spends another 40 years not in the hype and the pompness and the plushness of the palace. He spends 40 years in the backside of a desert keeping sheep. Everybody thinks he's lost his mind. He don't look successful. He got the smell of sheep on him. He's learning to pasture. Got a wife named Zipporah. Probably called her Zippy. <laughs> She'd probably mouth off. He's a zip it up woman. <laughs> and then he spends another 40 years on a 40 year camping trip with three to six million people who don't want to go camping. <laughs> They're not happy campers. <clears throat> These are not your normal everyday belly acres. These are the kind of people who get up and have the audacity to say, while angels are delivering on the lawn every morning fresh manna, they get up and say, we loathe this light bread. We hate this miracle. They're not just complaining. It's hot out here. He stole my tent peg. I got sand in my shoes. You didn't shake my hand last night. These are the kind of people who got to... We loathe this light bread. And the Bible said that this light bread had the taste of fresh oil and honeycomb. Mm. It was Krispy Kreme donuts and the light was on. <laughs> and they are good for you and healthy. And there's not a feeble one among them. You can lose weight on this stuff. Now, if I, if, if you go, sign me up. if I could sign this up, sign me up. Hallelujah. I want it. I, if I could find the recipe to this, I'm a rich man tomorrow. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we loathe this light bread, and God, it gets on God's last nerve. And God said to Moses, "Get up out the road. I'm gonna kill every one of them." And if I'd have been Moses, I'd have said, about time. I've had it with them too. Let me go on back to the palace. Let's get this over with. God said, I'll raise up a seed to you, Moses. You know what Moses does? This is where, where I, part of what I wanted to go to a little bit tonight that I'm not going to get to. He reverts God back to another covenant that superseded this one. Yes, sir. Because the Mosaic covenant was an addendum until the seed should come to who the promise was made. And he reminded God of his promise to Abraham and his covenant to Abraham. And he said, you told your father Abraham that you would bring his seed out of Egypt into a promised land. And God said, thank you for the reminder. And he changed his mind and did not come on somebody because God will honor his word above his name. He's a covenant keeping God. Come on somebody. 
powerful stuff there that I got to pass over. Forty years he walks through this wilderness with these people who don't. They cross the Red Sea. They've been blood bought. They're water baptized. Exactly 50 days. Let me get this. Exactly 50 days after they cross the Red Sea. Exactly 50 days. They come to the foot of Mount Sinai where I read to you from Hebrews tonight. And the book of Hebrews said, So terrible was the sight that Moses said, I see the fear quake. God came down on Mount Sinai. And it was on Mount Sinai that God gave them the law. Now God was not, listen, God was offering them. God brought them out of Egypt based on the Abrahamic covenant. And the scripture tells us in Galatians that the law was added because of the transgression. The transgression was not a transgression of the Mosaic system. It was a transgression of the Abrahamic covenant. And the only thing about the Abrahamic covenant was that you believe. And these people had become, come on, full of fear. And now, come on, they don't have any faith. And so they, God was offering them a personal relationship and a, a, making a whole nation of priests. And they forfeited a personal relationship with God for a mediator system. And the moment you forfeit a personal relationship for a mediator system, you've got to have rules. The people said, we're afraid of you, Moses. God wanted to have a relationship with all of them, make a whole nation of priests. He wanted to have a relationship with everybody. And the people said, we're afraid of him, Moses. You go talk to him. Whatever he says to you, we will do it. And if we do it, it will be our righteousness. Wrong answer. And they forfeited a personal relationship with God for a mediator system. And when you don't have a relationship, you need rules. And the longer you're away from relationship, the more rules you need. See, in the American church today, in the church where we have a lot of rules, but we are in a real deficit for relationship. But I love it because when you come into the New Testament, God restores that to us because Peter said, you're a chosen generation, you're a royal priesthood, and God restores us back to a nation of priests where we all have access. But on Mount Sinai, and let me, let me grab this, I'm trying to circle and land, but I've got a whole lot of pieces I've got to tie together. Are we all right? God comes down on the mountain of Sinai and gives them the law. 50 days after they leave Egypt. Exactly 50 days. And when he gives them the law, 3,000 people drop dead. Fast forward to the new covenant. Jesus is the true Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And exactly 50 days after Jesus is crucified, exactly 50 days, they're in an upper room. Because Pentecost means 50. And on Mount, come on, on the, in, in the upper room, this time, God comes down again. But this time, come on, somebody. He doesn't give them rules on rocks. This time, He gives them the Holy Ghost. And exactly 3,000 people are added to the church. Why is that? Because under the Old Covenant, 3,000 drop dead close to the letter kill. In the New Covenant, the Spirit gives life. So that if you don't get nothing else, I say tonight, or if I've lost you somewhere in the depth of this, get this if you don't get nothing else. So that the Holy Ghost is to the New Covenant what the law was to the Old Covenant. And if the Holy Ghost can't make them believe, Pastor, all the rules we give them is not going to do it. But if the Holy Ghost living inside of you can't help you govern your life. Come on, somebody. This is full of supply. He don't just give you rules. He gives you his very own spirit. I'm going to come and take up my abode. And I'm going to tell you, I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost to do more than give me a jerk and a hook and a shot. Yes. Let, let me fast forward. Moses comes to the end of the wilderness journey. Let me circle, try to place here. I, I will say this. 
I don't know if I got time to say it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Let's, let's go there quickly. Let's go quickly. Hebrews 11. Let me see if I can get this. This is so powerful to me. Hebrews 11. It's all about the faith of the fathers. But he comes down. This is the story about Moses. But it says, verse 27, Hebrews 11. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured to see him who was invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Now what I want you to see is, verse 29 said, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. And then faith shuts down and nothing for the next 40 years makes it to the great hall of faith until they cross over into Jericho. I said, God, why is it that nothing from this moment when they crossed the Red Sea, nothing for 40 years makes it into the great hall of faith? And the Lord said to me, because the law is not of faith. And that's when I gave him the law. Galatians 3 said, for the law shuts up faith. The more we preach law, the less we have faith. That's why I see miracles in third world countries more than I see them in the United States. Because they have, they have been taught a whole bunch of legalism and disqualifications and all the reasons why God won't do it. They just heard God's a good God. They believe it and miracles show up. Come on, somebody. we got to get back to some. Listen, I'm like Dr. Phil these days. I don't want to fight with people. I just say to you, how's that working for you? If you think you can do it based on performance, knock yourself out. Because I can't help you till you come to the end of yourself. And see, it took them 40 years to figure out we can't do this. Because Moses brought them out with a rod, but Joshua's was going to bring them in with a mercy seat. And they get to the listen, and they get clear, and, and, and the, the scripture stops with faith when it says, "By faith they crossed the Red Sea." And the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. The same water that saved Jews, the same water that destroyed your enemy. And so now, but they come then out of the water and they get the law, and all of a sudden faith shuts down. Forty years later, Joshua takes them over. Jericho's got walled cities, and, got, and he says, "God, what's the strategy for taking Jericho?" And God said, "Joshua, get three to six million people." going in the same direction at the same time with their mouth shut. That's probably the biggest miracle of the Old Testament. But, but what really stuck out to me, he said, tell them to walk around for seven days with their mouth shut. I said, God, why is it important their mouth is shut? He said, because they have come to the end of themselves and every mouth has been stopped. And they realize it's not by might or by power. And he said, when you hear a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, you start to shout. A ram's horn comes from the death of a male lamb. And the moment you start preaching through the finished work of Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, it'll cause a shout from down in here to start up. And every wall that's held you back from your inheritance is going to drop and fall. I'm trying to preach something through a ram's horn tonight. We've heard enough brass trumpets. We need to hear something through a ram's horn. We need somebody, come on, that's walked long enough to say, I'm sick and tired of the wilderness journey. It's time to take my inheritance. And the moment the people begin to shout, the walls came down and God sovereignly brought them into their promised land. Yes. Come on, Doc. Yes. Now let me let me see. I've got to wrap this up somewhere. Moses comes to the end of this journey. He's, he's, he spent 40 years with it, and he's only ever asked God for two things. Let me see your glory. Yes. And show me the promised land. And God says to Moses, man, listen. Because you have failed to sanctify the Lord your God in the eyes of the people, 
You can't, you can't enter the promised land. I'm going to let you see it from a distance. But you can't enter in. See, that used to really aggravate me because I thought to myself, here's this man who spent 80 years serving and he fouls up one time. One time. And he misses the promised land. And what, then the Lord said to me, I did that to show you, watch this, that not even the mediator of that covenant could make it in by the works of the law. It had to be by the hearing of faith. And if Moses would have made it based on performance, you and I would have been forever bound to do it based on the law of a mosaic system. But God couldn't even let the mediator of that because there's none righteous. No, not even one. Romans 3. Come on, somebody. Not based on the law. Come on. On the basis of the law, there's none righteous. No, not even one. And so Moses didn't make it. And God said to him, here's what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to put you in a cleft of a rock, and I'm going to put my hand on over the rock. I have a whole chapter on this in my book out there called Unforced Rhythms of Grace. And he put his hand over the rock, and he said, I'm going to let all my goodness pass before you. See, because God's glory is his goodness. When we say he's a good, good father, see, all the earth is going to be full of the knowledge of the glory. It's going to be, see, if the goodness of God was his glory, we've never seen the goodness of God. And in the old covenant, God puts Moses in the, in the rock. He said, I'm going to let all my goodness pass before you. And when I pass by, I'm going to take my hand away. And you're going to see my hinder parts. Because in the old covenant, all you ever see of God is his hinder parts. Because he's always turning to walk away from you. I mean, I remember being raised in church. God was leaving you constantly. But in the new covenant, there's no variableness. No turning of shadows. God will never turn his back on you. And so God puts his hand over the rock and he passes by. And then he lets Moses see the promised land from a distance. The Bible said that God buried Moses in a place where nobody knows where he's at to this day. And that Michael fought with the devil over the body of Moses and buried him in a place where nobody knows where he's at. And I, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm past what people think about me. Holy Ghost told me about 25 years ago on the way to Cincinnati where Moses is buried. I'm going to tell you in just a minute. I said, God, why, first of all, did the devil want the body of Moses? He said, because it speaks of more than just his physical body. It speaks of the whole body of the law. And if he had Moses, he could use it. See, the weapon of the enemy is the weapon of accusation. It is condemnation and guilt. It is the weapon that is formed against us. In Colossians 2, he tells you that Jesus disarmed principalities by taking the handwriting of ordinance that was against you and nailing it to the tree. That was the law of Moses. So the devil can never bring an accusation or a condemnation to you. See, the reason there is therefore now no condemnation is because that's an antiquated law. There's a new law in operation. I hope I'm, I hope I'm preaching this balance to you. You hear where I'm coming from? And so the, here, here, here is Moses. And God buries him in a place. You see where he buried him? He buried him in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Same place he buried you. And if you can't find Moses, you can't find me. Come on, I was crucified with Christ. I was buried with him. Don't let the devil dig up your past. Man, I feel like preaching tonight. Don't let the devil use the weapon of condemnation. No weapon formed 
against you can prosper. What weapon? The weapon of condemnation. Why? Because your righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. No weapon can be formed. When you understand your righteousness is based on the fact that he that knew no sin was made to be sin so that you could be made the righteousness of God. He didn't do nothing wrong and he was made sin. You didn't do nothing right and you were made righteous. An incredible exchange took place. You ought to high five your neighbor at the night and say I'm righteous and I've got a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees because it's not my righteousness. That's filthy rags. I've got his righteousness and it's a robe that's white. Come on somebody. Too much here to preach. And I was frustrated Pastor Justin for years and I said God why would you let Moses go through all of that and still never it seemed like it's not fair. Really what's behind us I'm thinking if Moses didn't make it I don't got a chance man see that's really what was behind I'm thinking Lord of Moses because I've already fouled up one time <laughs> today y'all don't want to help me preach see let's get real here a minute can we talk we don't really realize listen the basis of what we if this is such incredibly good news to me but the prayer request of Moses was valid and legitimate and it rung throughout the corridors of glory and it haunted God. Let me see your glory. Show me the promised land. And on a mountain called Transfiguration, 1,500 years later, God looked over at Michael and Gabriel and said, go get Jacob's ladder. Moses is about to re-enter the theater of human expression on a mountain called, come on, Transfiguration. And when he came down the mountain, Pastor Allen, he sees Jesus looks him right in the face and he realized glory is not smoke in the corner it's found in the face of Jesus Christ right here is all of God's goodness wrapped up in human flesh and while he's looking right in the face of Jesus he realizes the promised land is not a place it's a person for in Christ all of God's are yes amen. somebody needs to say amen to that amen. hallelujah so God answered his prayer request and the weight coming down the ladder is Elijah because we need Moses and Elijah the law and the prophets and on that Mount of Transfiguration Peter gets the revelation that most of the American church has Let's build here three tabernacles. Come on. Let's make this Jesus plus the law. Jesus plus the law and the prophets. And the father interrupts this whole perception. He says, listen, this is my son. Hear him. It's not Jesus plus anything. Come on. Come on, somebody. It's not Jesus plus it. You have not come to the mount that might be touched. You've not come to fear and darkness. You've not come to a God who says stay away. You have not come to a God who said if you touch the mount you'll be thrust through the dark. Come on, stand on your feet all over this place. I need to land this. You've not come, but that's the mountain we bring people to every Sunday morning is we bring them to fear and trembling and to a mountain that's full of blackness and darkness. He said, but you did not come there. That's good news to me. There's some stuff you have not, you didn't, you have not come to a God who says stay away. 
You've not come to the God of fear and wrath where the law is. The law works wrath. But you've come to a better covenant based on better promises. You've come to Jesus, the mediator of a better covenant and a blood that speaks. The blood has something to say about you tonight. Man, I don't know how to land this. But he goes on to say, but you have come to Mount Zion. What is that? That's the contrast, Mount Zion, in contrast to Mount Sinai. That's the old covenant on Mount Sinai. But you've not come to blackness and darkness. You've not come to fear. But you've come to Mount Zion and you've come to the city of the living God. You've come to the new covenant. Come on, somebody. You, you're not marching to Zion. No, sir. Come on. You have returned. The redeemed of the Lord have returned and come to Zion with singing and everlasting joy is on their heads. You have come to the spirits of just men made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the mediator. And then he says this, don't refuse him who's talking to you from heaven. For if they did not escape or refused him who spoke on earth, how shall they escape him who's talking from heaven? And I begin to hear the Lord say this to me. What he was talking about when he spoke from earth, it was from Sinai. But when he's talking about talking from heaven, he's talking about the one who's talking to you from Zion. Because I think this is powerful to hear tonight. The word that flows from Zion will shake everything that can be shaken. The kind of message I'm preaching tonight probably has shook your religious background. Some have made you think or question some things, and that is the it will shake everything that can be shaken. Because the word that flows from heaven gets rid of all of the stuff that connected you to Sinai and the Old Covenant. But he goes on to say, that what it's going to do is shake everything that can be shaken so that you can find grace to serve acceptably. And I believe that the word that God is releasing from heaven right now is a word that's being spoken from the heavens and not from the earth. It's coming from Zion and not from Sinai. And it is transforming. I believe we are in one of the most incredible Reformations of human history has, I believe, Pastor Meshagan, we will be down in history as apostolic reformers. I believe we're in one of the most, the greatest revolutions of the gospel we've ever seen. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful. As I sat and talked to this pastor's sons and my own son in the balcony and young pastors that we're meeting everywhere, Pastor Justin from over in Birmingham, Alabama. I don't think you're even 30 yet, are you? whole bunch of young pastors got a grip on New Covenant and touching young people like crazy. See, I believe, I believe God wants to bring our families back. I believe our children are coming back, man. Hallelujah. I don't, I don't know how to quit with something like this. I, I'm just saying that I, you know, I believe that we've got to have, listen, folk would rather fight than switch but can you imagine like I said can you imagine the, the difficulty it was to transition in this first century when everything you'd done up to this point from circumcision to bringing a lamb to church tomorrow morning to dress in certain ways to divers washings and yada 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 and now tomorrow we don't have to do this anymore you think people leave you over an organ in your church they really leave you over you better believe it. <laughs> 
And see, it's way more popular for me if I preach something to manipulate you. But I've left the palace because I see the condition of God's people. Good. And I can't leave you in bondage no more. Good. Reach over and get somebody by the hand. Let me pray. And I'm going to get out your road here. I've preached way too long tonight. I apologize for being so lengthy. Hallelujah. Father, I pray that your spirit will communicate to the hearts and lives of your people that are in this place tonight. I pray, God, that you would communicate. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules, it's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.